Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We're starting a new series, Lift the Lid. Oh, lifting the lid is a good thing, isn't it? We, you know, um, one of the things that I've discovered is that um, uh, when life stops prospering, the lid has grown firm over your life. Um, there is a, when, when things stop working, when things stop growing, it's because our life has become so full that we're unable to achieve or do any more how many of you know when your life is just a little over full you get over full and then you think I can't do this anymore well here's the thing God wants you to understand that he's built us for expansion not retraction he's called us to grow and not restrict our growth if you were to look um in, in go through the forest you'll see the trees they continue to grow there's a there's a magnificent tree uh, in America, uh, often photographed. Um, I can't remember. That it's got a name, like General something or something. It's a, it's a marvelous sort of name. It's a, it's a magnificent tree. So, so huge, so vast. And here's the thing. In this enormous tree, which, which far, it's not actually growing in height anymore because it was struck by lightning, but um, it's still growing. Uh, and it actually puts on more growth than all the other trees in the forest put together each year. Because wow. it's so huge. And it's over 4,000 years old, this tree. And it's still growing. You know what? We are better than trees. <laughs> We're better than trees. God got a, a better plan for your life than he has that tree. He wants us to understand that you've got to lift the lid. When, when things... When things get restrained, you've got to lift the lid. If, if you've ever owned an iPhone with a 16 gigabyte memory, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everyone is, who's had an iPhone with a 16 gigabyte just knows. I was chatting away to Joe. Joe had an iPhone 16 gigabyte. Eventually it died uh, and he managed to get a 32 gigabyte and he feels like he's born again. It was a, it's a, I was chatting away to Miriam, and uh, Miriam's got an iPhone with a 16. I really need to make sure you get a new phone, Miriam. Uh, and uh, it's a 16 gigabyte iPhone. At the time, it would have been an amazing phone. But I said to her, I said, Miriam, how much memory have you got left on your phone? Just one of those conversations you have in the office. And she, she looks it up, and she goes, oh. 45 megabytes. <laughs> yeah, that's not very much. That's not even a photograph. <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? We need to get you a new phone. But we need to get Miriam a new phone. We need to do that. And uh, so I've set myself up. No, no. It's a problem when you're preaching. You say things and afterwards you think, oh, dear. And you go, <laughs> But once you've hit the lid, there's no room for any more. You've, if you've had one, I remember Ruth had it every time she wanted to take a photograph, you had to delete a photograph, didn't you? <laughs> it seemed a bit pointless in taking photographs. It, uh, <laughs> if you take them to delete them, what's the point of taking them in the first place? And, uh, but that's the thing with lids, is that they put a place of constraint and restriction around your life. Events put restraint and restrictions around your life. They fill your life with the things that happen to you and all of that does is it creates 
a limited space upon which we're able to think, pray, believe, operate and lead um, begins to grow around our life and we have to know how to lift the lid. Amen. It says in Isaiah 54 and verse 1, it says this. Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful singing, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. See, this is a scripture which is, um, it sits in the middle of some really important messianic scriptures in Isaiah 53, we have one of the most important messianic um, chapters describing the birth and the, the nature of Jesus Christ and his rule and reign upon the earth. And then in chapter 54 that we've just read from, it describes how God is restoring his church and his people. It describes the life of the church. And then 55, um, I can't remember what happens in 55. <laughs> 55 is the structure and the system of how church and, and the kingdom of God is, is going to operate under. And so, in, in, but in chapter 54, it's about the, it talks about after Jesus, it's the description of what Jesus, uh, who Jesus is and what he's going to do. It's describing the effect of Jesus upon his people and how that which was ruined, that which was limited, that which was broken, that which was of Uh, A poor report suddenly is going to be expanded. And we have to understand that God wants us to expand to the right and to the left. He wants us to grow within ourselves. But, but you know, you've got to get bigger on the inside if you want to get bigger on the outside. You've got to know how, understand that, that your spiritual man is the place where you grow. We are bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. Doctor Who had something going on. He is prophesying over our lives. <laughs> We've got to understand that on the inside, there is a bigger man, a man that needs to grow. Man, we need to get bigger on the inside, be bigger people. And, and this series, I want us to understand that God wants to do something quite extraordinary with our lives. You know, um, we uh, have a, a, a Japanese oak that our neighbor gave to us. Actually, um, they said it was a Japanese oak. It just looks like an oak tree to me. I, I couldn't tell the difference between a Japanese oak and an, an English oak and a, an American oak. I, we used to buy American oak in when I was making furniture because it was cheaper than, than English oak, um, but um, probably because they cut down more of it. But, uh, and there's more in America. It's a bigger country, so you get a lot more American oak than English oak. But this is a Japanese oak, and uh, uh, it's a beautiful tree, uh, but it sits in a pot. And we've had it for six years, uh, and it's never grown. It's never grown. Now, oak trees are quite sort of slow-growing trees, but nonetheless, it it should have grown something. In fact, what it tends to do is it tends to sort of, every summer, I look at it and I think to myself, are you going to put leaves on this year or are you just going to fall over and die? Uh, And uh, and every year we look at it and go, really should plant that tree, but we can't decide where to stick it because eventually that thing's going to go ballistic the moment we get it out the pot. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, there are things that we have to break around our life. There are things we have to shift around our life that we may be able to expand and create an expansion on the inside and be, in to be able to change who we are. Yeah. Now, this is a season of change for the church. It's a season of spiritual change and sometimes practical change as God moves in our lives. I want, I want you to understand that when Isaiah is prophesying over the church and he's saying, sing, O childless woman, you who never gave birth. He's speaking to a nation that is limited by its poverty, limited by its circumstances, limited by its events, limited by those circumstances and situations that have caused um, cause a restraint and a restriction and a contraction in their life. Israel was, was, had, was birthed with great hope, but in the midst of that hope had suffered great tragedy through its own failures and weaknesses and all those kind of mistakes in the past. But here's the thing about the way God restores. He never ever, he never goes back over your past and says, oh, well, we've got to sort this out. He never goes over and says, oh, oh, you know what? When I speak to people, they always want to sort out the past. You know what God does? He forgives the past. He moves on. He just forgives. He he doesn't want to know. He's not interested. It's done. Let's move on. He needs you to know it's done. Let's move on. We're not talking about tomorrow. Uh, Yesterday. Tomorrow. <laughs> we're believing for tomorrow. We're not, believe, we're not talking about yesterday. We're not talking about what happened last year, what happened the year before, the year before that. He isn't interested because he is looking forward and he wants us to look forward. He wants us to understand that. that. And so the children of Israel, they, they've got themselves into this mess and they got themselves and they've made terrible mistakes. But God says, sing. Sing. Here's the thing. That he wants you to understand that, that when you worship, you begin to lift the restriction that's around your life. When you begin to praise God, you begin to say something that is entirely different to what you're feeling about your own life. Here's the issue with your life. When you look at it, you make a mental assessment of what you can and can't do. When you look at your bank account, you decide whether you can afford to go shopping or not. When you look at your friend list, you decide on what you can do together or what you can't. When you look at your gifting and abilities, you decide on what you can do and what you can't. We make an assessment based on what we see. But here's the thing with worship. Worship doesn't take into account anything of our life. It only takes into account God. And so when you worship and when you praise God, you begin to sing with a different confession. You begin to use your language that is entirely different. You see, when you sing... You don't confuse your language. You don't hold back 
You don't doubt your intentions. When you were worshipping God this morning, you entered into a place of praise and of worship. And in that place of praise and worship, you just entered in. Regardless of what doubt, what fear, what heartache, what agony you've been through, even in this, this morning it may have happened to you, when you worshipped, everything changed. And here's the first step of lifting the lid. You've got to get worship going in your heart louder, stronger, more intentional. You've got to put on praise. I'm going to say put on the praise tape. That's dating me somewhat, isn't it? (laughs) We still do have some tapes. We just don't have a tape player. (laughs) We've even got some um, Darlene Czech. CDs at home and I haven't played one for a long time. (laughs) Everything's on the phone. But it's amazing how everything changes, but you've got to find a way to worship God. I remember in in 1993 when we were just, we were, I'd been, 92 was a year, Cheryl calls it the year of sighing. It was a year of, of internal kind of groan as we were I was hungering for God to do something bigger, more in my life. I felt the call of God, but I just didn't know how it was working. And, and the circumstances around, I couldn't see in my own vision, my own perspective, which I'm going to speak a lot about tonight, was so restrained. I couldn't see what it was that God wanted to do. I hadn't seen Scotland. I hadn't seen any of those things. But my heart just sort of crying out for 1993. We had such, we were so touched by the Holy Spirit. So filled with the Spirit. I remember that one of the most, the, the biggest changes that happened in our life that caused us to come into ministry was the song. And we just started singing. I couldn't, I couldn't even play the radio. I would put, I would get in my, in my van um, we had a, we used to make furniture, as you know, and we'd, I'd drive the van. And even with Radio One playing, it didn't matter what the song was, I would turn it into worship. <laughs> I would just sing along with them, and I would just change the words into worship. It didn't matter. It didn't matter who it was at the time. It probably would have been Take That or uh, <laughs> or Michael Jackson, <laughs> and uh, I would have been worshiping God. I, it was just Radio One music, good, bad, and mostly terrible but it was like it was like just this this sound all I needed was a chord and I was away just worshiping God and I discovered that the more I worshiped the more it changed my perspective the more it changed what was going on in my life it says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12 it says this in whom we have boldness And access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You see, Paul knows how to worship the Father with boldness. And to come with an entirely different spirit. See, boldness... Lifts the lid off your life. A bold song, a bold declaration. Here's the thing that what worship does. Worship isn't, it, it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't leave you wondering what you mean. Worship tells it as it is. And you cause it, it you can't, what you sing, you wouldn't say. You, you don't talk like the song is written. 
You don't ever talk like that because when you're talking, that's a bit weird, (laughs) isn't it? But when you're singing, you make a declaration which is bolder, which is more direct, which takes you instantly into the presence of God and doesn't debate with your doubt, doesn't question with your reason, it doesn't go through any kind of, it just says this is the truth. And it causes your heart to to be different. And and Paul, here he is, uh, and Paul is taken into a bigger place of worship. Now, I want to speak, as I'm speaking about worship, I need you to understand that worship takes you to a place. And the word place is, a, I, I'd never really thought about the importance of the word place until Sharon and I were in Edinburgh and we were looking through the city. And this is how, when Sharon and I are being tourists, this is how it goes. Cheryl walking along, she sees a beautiful place and she's just looking at the architecture and the paintings and everything she's walking through. I want to read the information. <laughs> I only ever get to read the first paragraph because she's gone. No interest in, oh, come on, will you stop reading all that? But I want to know all the information. I, I don't want, I want to know the history. I want to know about some old fella that fell over here and his dog died when he landed on him and it's become an important place and now forevermore there's a dog imprint in the ground and, and nothing ever grows there. And uh, <laughs> there are places like that. And uh, so, so there we are in Edinburgh and... I'm looking through and we're we're walking through and and there's this kind of council kind of area where they're redoing up parts of the city and there's a sort of information, Cheryl's gone, I'm reading. And it's describing a place and I can't remember the name but the name of this point in Edinburgh as a kind of a junction, it was was something like Waverley Place. But it wasn't a place. It was just cars were just coming and going. And in Edinburgh Council, they said, this is a place. A place has to be a place, not just something you're racing through. It's got to be a, a point where you stop because it's a place. And it was the first time I'd ever thought about the word. It was a, it's quite deep, isn't it? It's like they're, it's, they're, they're restructuring the city so that you honour the point of where it is, it's a place. Let's take a point and reflect on this place as being a place of beauty and, and strength and, and, and something which adds to the city. And it got me thinking about how God takes us to places and those places change our lives. In Genesis chapter 13, it says this. It says in verse 1, Genesis verse 1, this is Abraham this is really the beginning of who Abraham was. It says, Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Worship takes you to a place and the place changes you. Abraham went to a place between Bethel and Ai. And Bethel is the place 
of God and AI is the place of the world. You've got these two cities very close to each other. AI is of the world and Bethel is of the kingdom of God. They're quite important in their prophetic sort of meaning to us. But here is Abraham between the two and there is the pull of him and his nephew Lot and there is this pool and he sets a place of worship and he creates a place and that place determines the rest of his life. In other words, he lifted the lid at that moment because he created a place of worship. And what happens in our heart is that we may sing a song and get up in the morning, but we don't have a place. And a place, it doesn't necessarily have to be a a particular space in your house or a, it can be in your car, but you need a place that is worship. You need a place that lifts your heart. You need a place that lifts the lid as you begin to worship God and you begin to declare who he is without the, the, without the reasoning and the restriction and the, 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 the intentions of doubt that grow around your heart on a daily basis. You see, the world gets in around you. It's like ivy that grows up the walls. It's very, very difficult to remove. As a child, um, we used to have this old property and it was literally at one wall. It was, uh, it was an old garage and workshops before my father and I did it up and it had ivy growing all the way up. It was up over the roof. It grown through the roof and it was, it was right through into the, into the, um, uh, the, where the hay would have been stored, and, and it was just up the it was everywhere, and you couldn't you couldn't get rid of it, and uh, you couldn't pull it out, and that's the nature of the world. The way we dealt with it, we just chopped it off at the root, and let just time let it just shrivel and die, and it all fell away. Eventually, we got our we got our building back, um, reasonably damage free. By cutting it at the root and forgetting the rest. You know what? Sometimes in your life, when you've got to come, if you've got troubles in your life, you just got to cut the thing off at the root and then let time do the rest. Yeah. Not try and worry about, you know, stop trying to fix stuff, make stuff. You try and people just spend the whole life trying to fix stuff. Just cut the thing at the root and be done. Time will do the rest. It will shrivel and it will fall away as God does something new in your life. You've got to come to a place. You've got to set a place in your heart. This is your place. This is your place of worship. This is your place where you begin to worship God. It says in Colossians chapter 3, and verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. See, worship sets... Such a high language of faith and expectation, it shifts the parameters of your heart. See, your heart is a muscle. I I always think the heart is an amazing thing, isn't it? It's like you can't imagine using your your bicep every single day for the rest of your life without stopping. You know that thing would hurt. I mean, every every guy's done 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 the weights, haven't you? We've all done the weights, sitting in the mirror. So nobody else is around. You can look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> Do 20 of these and you're like. 
stitches and you're aching after and you put it down and everything's shaking. <laughs> I remember once I was in Denmark with a pastor, a big guy, Pastor Lars Bow. He's, he's preached here many years ago and uh, he's just a guy that loves the gym. He says, Kev, come to the gym with me. I hate it when pastors do this to me. They'll go, oh, come to the gym. Tom Rawls does this as well. It was terrible. And Tom's like, and Tom's nearly six, in fact, he's six, ten years older than me and he's short and he's overweight and... And he can lift weights like three times the size. And there I am. <laughs> Smart person. <laughs> and, and I was with Lars in, in, in Denmark. And we're in the gym together. And he's going, come on, can do some more? Well, I did an hour and a half with Lars. And then he said, and then I had to go. I had to go to my next preaching appointment. I had to get on a bus and, and drive to the next place. And I'm on the bus and I'm, I can't get the ticket because my arm is shaking. So it's only done an hour and a half work. <laughs> Dribbling. <laughs> but your heart just keeps pumping. Yeah. It, is, it is an extraordinary thing. From just a few weeks in the womb... To right through, if you live a hundred years, that thing is pumped, I don't know how many times. Yeah. Isn't that extraordinary? Never stop. Yeah. Never stop. My heart has never stopped. <laughs> it's extraordinary how the heart just continues to pump. But I, I need you to understand that there is a spiritual heart. It's, the who, it's who you are on the inside. And it's pumping on the inside. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to understand that you've got, if you worship me, it will get healthier. It will get stronger. It will get bigger. You will learn how to lift the lid on your life and begin to change your confession, change what it is. We've got to build our inner man bigger and stronger. We've got to declare a different kind of life of who we are. When we worship God, our confession changes. I found myself when I was worshipping God in my mid-twenties, I found myself just... Walking up and down going, God, when, why, how? We had a lot of prayers like that. Do you know what? Those prayers will never get answered. They just, they just won't get answered. Do you know why? Because God has put who you are on the inside. And as you worship him, you begin to speak. I've, I, my confession, my worship, I started when I got filled with the spirit in that such powerful way. I stopped changing and I stopped saying, God, where, when, how? And I started just praying, thank God, I thank you that I'm called into ministry. I thank you, Lord, you've called me to do something mighty for you. I thank you, Lord, that I am a pastor. I mean, I am prophesied. I thank you, Lord, that I, there's an apostolic call upon my life to plant churches across nations. I thank you, Lord, that I am called by your name to do something amazing for you. I thank you, Lord, you called me to prosper. Just ch- everything changed. Everything changed. And from the moment that changed, you see, I started, what I was doing was I was speaking something from the different on the inside of my spirit. And my inner man was growing bigger, started talking differently about myself rather than about the where, the why, the how. Because when you ask those prayers, there is no amount of faith rising in your spirit. Not a bean of faith rises in the where, the why, the how. It just doesn't work. But the moment you say, God, I thank you that you call me to prosper. So you, instantly you're on the first floor. You were on the ground floor. I thank you, Lord, you call me to prosper. I worship you, Lord. You're an amazing God. 
Thank God I worship you that in this place I've been called to stand and praise your name and to serve you. You've called me to prosper in your presence that I might be able to do mighty things in your name. I've gone up a level. gone up a level. It's amazing how it changes your perspective. In this house, God is changing. Changing your perspective. Shifting the lid that has been around your life. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.